GameZillaMedia.com. It's time for the last action podcast. Pop quiz, hot shot. Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need. The need for speed. Please, we can kill it. I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubble gum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome to this week's episode of the Last Action Podcast. I am LPJ. We are back from a long hiatus, and I am joined by a man who keeps trying to get into the witness protection program because he wants to try out his new semi-offensive uh, accents and speech affectations. It's all, it's only semi-offensive? That's what we're going with? Well, I mean, a couple of them are pretty bad. Hey, I feel like... Uh, I, I would think like- it's... Fabulous. I would like to say, like, we'll get into it. I feel like this movie gives a bad representation of how the witness protection program works. Oh, big time. <laughs> this gives a bad representation of how a lot of things work in the world. Like the first place that, of how zoos work. The first place he was stationed was just like down the road from his caseworker's house. Or whatever. Yes. Like huh? anyways. Um yes, uh we're we're here with with the tush. Uh, talking about a movie that he has uh, asked us to do. Um, Hold on, not just asked that, actively lobbied us <laughs> to do this movie True. on many occasions. Yes, and and you know what? We were like, let's throw him a bone. He's he's coming. He's pinched hit for us. He's done. He's been on a lot of episodes. So we're talking about the 1990 film Bird on a Wire. And <laughs> I'll tell you this. I told uh, LBJ we're going to do it, and he sent me a message, and it just said, he was watching it, it just said, bird out of wire. Woof. <laughs> it's, wow, this movie is... Um, it's released, uh, I'm going to say this before we get into kind yeah. of our background. It's released on May 18th of 1990. Uh, I'll go first. I had heard of this movie. I knew it was a movie. Uh, obviously, I'd heard Tush bring it up a lot. And I knew just from knowing things that it was around. But I had never seen it before. Uh, this was my first time watching it. Uh, it was not on Tubi. I had to rent it on uh, Amazon Prime. So that's me. What about you, LBJ? Yeah, um, I definitely knew this movie existed Primarily because, and I don't remember which video cassette it is, but we have a tape of something that I watched multiple times when I was a kid that had like the 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 trailer for this on it. It was like a we probably recorded something off of HBO is my my assumption, and so I always remembered the trailer for this movie because I've I've seen it I've seen at least parts of this trailer a hundred times from whatever movie whatever movie I've watched. That we do you do you remember this trailer more than you remember the blast from the past trailer starring Brendan Fraser? No, I don't. That movie you can't. I can't not remember that one. That okay. one lives just in my brain all the time. But this is your first time watching Bird on Wire. Yes, this is my first time seeing this movie. Okay, and now uh, Tush, why don't you regale us with your history of this movie? I will, but really quick, I just want to do some. Now that we're talking trailer talk, um. There used to be a red band trailer for Showgirls before Matt, uh, Clyde Barker's Master of Illusions. So my parents could never figure out why I just keep wanting to rent that crappy horror movie. You know? <laughs> <laughs> there's a red band trailer for Showgirls. Anyway, so there are movies that are your favorites because they're really good and you love them. And then there are movies that are your favorites because you've seen them a lot. And that is what this is. So I definitely saw it in the theater. Um, it would have come out when I would have been in like just finished second grade, probably going to third grade, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe maybe third to fourth, whatever. And we saw the theater because my parents didn't care about thirteen, the thirteen PG thirteen. And then, but then the, the weird thing is, we went on a family trip out to Colorado for a family wedding, and that was back when you would get movies. You know, you could rent movies that were in between being in the theater and being on video at hotels. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I remember reason, that. Yeah, yeah it was like, really... Kind of like on planes like, like they do now. Yeah, you, you paid like 15 bucks. And like, cause there used to be a much longer um, like you know, period in between when it came out. Right. On, you know, now it'll come out on streaming when it's still in the theater. But anyway, for some reason, we got it twice. Like, <laughs> twice on that trip. 
we got this movie. And it's like, okay, we're watching Burn Out Lawyer. And you watch and it as a family? The, yeah, and like, well, you watch it as a family, and then another time we watched it because they, they were going to the rehearsal dinner and there was no kids allowed, so we watched it uh, We watched it with the babysitter or whatever. So, and my dad would never let us get the, like, videos on demand at the, or pay-per-view at hotels, but for some reason on this trip, he let us get this twice and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He, so, he wanted to check out that sweet, sweet Goldie Hawn tush. It's movie. true. We know I mean, why. Hey, she was like 44 at the time. It's still in uh, still, still quality. You know, she was 44 I, I mean, in 1990. She's a lot older than you think. Oh, yeah. How, she's how old is she right now? She was born she's in 45. 80. Yeah. So she's oh. 78. I'm confirming. Yeah, she's 79. Right. No, it says 70, 78. 78, okay. So she's she was born in November 21st, 1945. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and so this would have probably been like the second Mel Gibson movie I've, I saw because I saw The Road Warrior at a ridiculously young age. So, Ah, all right. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's 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 get to the numbers for this. So um, it has a budget of $20 million, right? It, a domestic gross of $70 million and a worldwide of $138 million. So this is like a huge success. This is like yeah. a big moneymaker. Yeah, it, which is crazy because I don't remember not that i would i was 11 at the time i don't know that i would have necessarily remembered a type a movie of this type having huge hype but this movie must have had some gigantic hype to it well at the time kind of like adult action comedies were huge because the director also directed stakeout and stakeout was you wouldn't think like oh yeah there's a time when a movie with Emilio estevez and richard dreyfus was a monster hit you know and just that was the type of like that was the type of movie that was like really popular. It was kind of before, like you know, things were kind of aiming more for the whole family. It seemed that things were delegated. Like this was a movie for grownups. Of course, I saw it, but and people loved it. Like it, it, the PG thirteen or R rated comedies, you know. Oh, yeah. that was it. That was that was it. Was yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did we lose you? Did you? No. Yeah, no, I, I, I got a little shaky there, but yeah, not shaky, just the the length. But yeah, no, it was just these were like the popular films of the time, you know, like, like yeah. Stakeout. I guess you're and, probably right because Lethal yeah. Weapon films had done quite well, and this is obviously this isn't like Lethal Weapon, but this is kind of in that vein where it's more of a more of a comedy than an action, but an action yeah. comedy. Yes, and lot, I will say oh, there, there there is um. A lot more action in it than I was expecting since Amazon categorized it as a romantic comedy. Right. <laughs> so I was a little worried going into it, but there is a, quite a bit of action in it, actually. Yeah. Including yeah. the including the final set piece in the like Dave oh, said, God. a movie that does not understand how zoos work at all. No. And you know what what killed me? So I was looking up stuff for this movie. I swear to God. Every other fact that I found was about that stupid zoo scene. Oh yeah, like I was true. trying to find some kind of cre- some kind of useful information, but no, it's all about the the baboons, what kind of sand they used, like <laughs> the stupidest shit. It was unreal. All about this dumb final scene. Yeah, you know well, zoos. Usually they keep every animal of every every kind of animal they have in <laughs> one room. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's the African savanna and South African rainforest. Why? <laughs> and also, there's no tigers in either of those. But you know, um, but you know, the thing I have to say that the action is directed is directed really well. Like the car chases are good, and yeah, you know, the helicopter would, chase, and you know, I I was very surprised with uh, how competent and, and how much action there was actually in this movie. Not to say yeah. that's not you know, I'm not. My hand, but I was surprised by that. Um, yeah. Okay, so uh, Rotten Tomatoes for Bird on a Wire is twenty five percent, which is pretty low, but obviously way higher than the nine percent that Beverly Hills Cop three has. Uh, and the audience score on this is forty one percent, so it's a little low, but you know what are you going to do? Well, and I've said this before, as being the Mel Gibson apologist I am, the problem is they don't freeze them to the time, so most of his movies at the time they might have gotten okay reviews. But now people can just keep adding reviews 
and Mel Gibson movies tend to suffer for that. <clears throat> yes, I would agree with that. Or, or maybe people just didn't like it. I mean, <laughs> that that's, could be the I mean, case, that's, like, if you go even go and look at some of his most famous and most well liked movies, you'll all of a sudden see you know a review from something.com. It's like. Well, that didn't exist when, you know, Lethal Weapon came out. So uh, Also, keep in mind, this movie does not age well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're correct with so that. The, there, there is no Yeah, it, it definitely has a large segment when it's like, oof, no, that's, that's not good. <laughs> um, okay, so the top grossing movies of 1990 are, uh, number one, Home Alone, number two, Ghost, and number three, Dances with Wolves. Uh, this movie, Bird on a Wire, comes in 16th in the domestic box office. Other movies we have covered in 1990. Get ready. It's insane. We've covered number five, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Number six, The Hunt for Red October. Number seven, Total Recall. Number eight, uh, yeah, number eight, Die Hard 2. Number nine, Dick Tracy. Number 28, Robocop 2. Number 30, Young Guns 2. Number 36, Darkman. Number 38, Predator 2. Number 50, Navy Seals. And number 71, Tremors. Wow. Man, that was a great year for movies. This is the 12th movie from 1990 we've covered. Yeah, we've covered a lot of 1990 movies. And you know what? Pretty much all of those are great. Yeah. Robocop 2 sucks. I said pretty much all of them, not all of them. Tremors sucks too. How uh, dare you talk about Tremors? Tremors doesn't uh, suck. Tremors sucks. Um, okay, so the cast of this movie, we mentioned Mel Gibson. We mentioned Goldie Hawn. Uh, it's also got a uh, Bill Duke staple of all those action movies in there. Uh, David Carradine. Um, Stephen Tobolesky, who I was kind of like, that's weird that he's in it. And uh, Joan Severance, who uh, plays someone who's getting married, but still really horny for Mel yeah, and really willing to just like leave her, her fiance. Yeah, call off her wedding, which is seemingly like a couple days down the road for Mel Gibson. Yep, whose job yep. was to design an animal hospital. I don't, I don't know. And this how come, movie like, is unreal with how, the amount come, of things he does. How come all his like hideouts were in the mid? All his like identities were in the Midwest. Kind of like why? Why after like the third time where they're like, "Hey, let's send you out to Arizona or something." Well, okay. Here's the thing. I think because, probably... because Vancouver's a little limited as far as the environment exactly. goes where they filmed it. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, okay. You're, all, you're also uh, missing one other important person. Yeah, go ahead. Christopher Judge, star of Stargate SG One, and oh, also. Of also, he's the voice of uh, Kratos in the uh, God of War movie, God of War games. Who, who's he playing in this movie? He's like, he just, you know that cop that chases him in the alleyway? When he's on the dirt bike? Yeah. <laughs> oh, the guy that he falls into the wet cement. Right. Oh, okay. Well, no, no, well, no, 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 not the wet cement. Out. He he just is, he's just the, the regular cop in the blue uniform that's chasing him. Okay. Yeah. Now, this, this now there's another guy. I'm, it's either a fun fact or I might be accidentally racist, but the Japanese business executive at the beginning is the guy from Dude, Where's My Car? Who's like, yours says dude and yours says sweet. Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, okay, good. Not, not racist. Not racist, no. He's been in, he's been in a ton of different things. Clyde, uh, Clyde Kusatsu. He's been in a bunch of different movies. I think we've probably covered some of the ones that he's been in. Uh, Maybe. I'm not pulling them up now. Keep going. I was going to say, the world may never know. Um, okay. Uh, you guys want to do some net worth? Yes. Sure. Too bad. You have to. Let's start oh. with Let's start with Joan Severance. She's got that sweet, sweet, no-holds-barred money. What do you think for Joan Severance, Kush? She's got that sweet, sweet black scorpion money. Oh, damn you, Craig. <laughs> Craig. Craig. So, Phil. Tush. I'm going to say she has $500,000. Okay. What do you think, LPJ? I don't even know what else she's been in. That's the only thing I know her from. She was in See No Evil, Hear No Evil with uh, Richard Pryor and... um, Is that the one uh, with uh, Kane? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Richard Pryor, uh, Gene Wilder, and Glenn Jacobs, uh, the mayor of Knoxville, also known as Kane. And Joan Severance. He was in something like that, right? Hear No Evil? Yeah, it was called called, like Hear No Evil or something. I don't know. I think it was was Seen No Evil. I think it was Seen No Evil. Yeah. 
Anyways, what do you think? Just guess a number. I don't know. A million dollars. Six million dollars for Joan Severance. She's got all that. She must made a lot of money modeling. So uh, next up, Bill Duke. He's got that sweet, sweet commando money. What do you think, uh, LPJ, for Bill Duke? Bill Duke's got that sweet, sweet uh, guest starring role on a couple episodes of the hit CW show Black Lightning. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go two million dollars. Okay. Uh, what do you think, uh, Tish? Well, I'd like to think I'm something funnier, but he's got that sweet, sweet predator money. Um, oh. I'm going to guess he's worth a million dollars. Three billion dollars. He has less Wait, money did than... Did you say billion? Million. Oh. <laughs> he's got less money than Joan Severance. Who would have thought? Uh, next up, uh, Steven Tobolesky. He's got that sweet, sweet uh, Groundhog Day money. Uh, Tush, what do you think for Steven Tobolesky? He's got that sweet, sweet glimmer man money. <laughs> I think he's worth he's a, he's a working actor. I think he's yeah. worth five million dollars. Okay. Uh what do you think, uh LBJ? He's got that sweet, sweet Deadwood money. Have you ever seen Deadwood? He gets killed, that's great. Uh I'm gonna Spoilers go for Deadwood. Ooh, sorry. Sorry, spoiler fans. Sorry, Deadwood fans. Um future Deadwood fans. I'm gonna go ten million. Uh, only $4 million for Stephen Tobolesky. He also has less than Joan Severance. Uh, next up. Uh, David Goldie. Carradine. He's got the. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Goldie Hawn. Sweet, sweet, and from a closet money. <laughs> Goldie Hawn. <laughs> She's got that sweet, sweet death becomes her money. What do you think, uh, LBJ, for Goldie Hawn? Guys, Goldie Hawn's got that sweet, sweet first wives club money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to go. Ooh, I'll go. F- 40 million for her. Okay. What do you think, Tish? She's got that sweet, sweet banger sisters money. <laughs> but I feel like her assets and Kirk access and, and Kurt Russell's assets are probably combined. And I know they're rich as hell, so I'm gonna say a hundred million. Ooh, really close. She's got ninety million dollars. Ninety million. So they own a winery, I think. Uh and then finally, uh Mel Gibson. Uh he's got that sweet, sweet chicken run money. <laughs> Uh, Tush, what do you think for Mel Gibson? He's got that sweet, sweet boss level money. Um, I we've done it so many times, I always forget. I'm gonna say 400 million. Okay, what do you think? Uh, LJ, he's got that sweet, sweet movie we keep forgetting to do money payback. Um, oh, ooh, I want to do that. Uh huh. <laughs> I'm gonna go 350 million dollars. Uh, four hundred and twenty-five million dollars for Mel Gibson. After giving half to his ex-wife and some (laughs) to that Russian grifter. Well, he was in a lot of profitable movies. Uh, okay, LBJ, do you got anything on like director, writer? Do you have the uh, Aaron Neville song queued up, ready to play? I don't. I don't (laughs) have the Aaron Neville song queued up, but I do have. Um, so the director John Badham directed a surprisingly large amount of movies that are relatively famous, like war games, short circuit stakeout point of no return, um, the hard way. So he's done. He's a a relatively well-known director, but kind of the big thing I wanted to bring up is this movie was produced by Rob Cohen, AKA the same Rob Cohen that directed the uh, first fast and furious movie and produced and directed triple X and then was uh, brought up on sexual harassment charges and uh, is no longer allowed to do anything in Hollywood for right now. How old is that guy? Uh, he is 75. Oh, shit. All right. How about that? Yep. So he was not young and hip when he directed The Fast and the Furious. No, no, sir. <laughs> That's wild. I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, um, also, so... The Aaron Neville song is a cover of a Leonard Cohen song. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Okay, Uh, the tagline for this movie, there's only one. It's, he's every woman's dream and one woman's nightmare. Which is weird because that actually is maybe the most accurate tagline we've ever had. Yeah, because women want to bang him in this movie. And also, so, some people now have to understand, Mel Gibson was People Magazine's first Sexiest Man Alive. Yeah, People were nuts for Mel Gibson back then. 
especially women. That's like there's a there's a, a John Oliver joke where he's like, and they made a movie and it's called What Women Want and it stars Mel Gibson. It's like, well, yeah, back then it was accurate, you know. By the way, I, flawless John Oliver, flawless. Thank you. Thank I, thought you. He was, I thought he was guest starring on the podcast. Exactly. Like good. there's that joke on The Simpsons where like he's like, I just everyone likes me. Cops won't even give me tickets, you know. Back then, it was true. People loved him. That is a good episode of The Simpsons. Would Payback give up? <laughs> that's a, that's one of my favorite episodes. It's I hilarious. wish we could just do a uh, episode of this podcast where we just covered their version of uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. <laughs> All in <laughs> favor, say die. Was it? I second that motion with, with, with the legends. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, Anything else either of you want to mention specifically before we start talking about the uh, plot of this movie? No, not really. There, was, I couldn't surprisingly find a lot on this movie. I was really surprised. I thought I actually, there'd be a lot more about it. You know, it was funny. I actually almost brought up a fact, but then I realized it was actually a uh, role reversal. So I was like, oh, don't that's, step yeah. on. I, I, I was thinking the exact same don't thing. Don't step on LPJ's toes. Right. That's like the only thing I have. The only thing you have, uh, Goldie Hawn did most of her own stunts. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she did most of her own stunts. You, uh, so after all that, you don't have any facts about the freaking zoo to tell us? No, I refuse to. I'm not telling you any garbage about that stupid zoo. Well, how about I tell you that the gigantic zoo set awesome. measured 83 feet wide and 350 feet long and was almost six stories high. The DVD production notes state that it was the largest studio set ever built in Vancouver. It was constructed at Bridge Studios in Vancouver, uh, Canada. Uh, production designer Philip Harrison said it was a once-in-a-lifetime undertaking. How well, I mean, we should. I mean, it's going to come up again, but we should probably mention that this is the most Canada-y movie to ever claim to take place in, like Detroit. <laughs> And St. Louis and wherever they're else, or Wisconsin, and we have we're gonna have some geography facts later. It'll be definitely. Oh my some gosh, geography. I was that was the one thing I was so annoyed about, and I realized that we all live in Michigan, but I was so annoyed by that one thing. I like immediately messaged Tush about it. Um, anyways, okay, so let's uh, let's get into it. Um, I was immediately upset with the start of this movie because it was like playing uh, a song from Hair, the musical, and it was a bunch of close-ups on bare feet. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, "No, thank you." Oh, and I was like, no, thank "I was you. like, I was like, I immediately don't like this." So, but it's it's David Carradine, and he's walking around the prison barefoot. I don't know why. Um, so he gets out of jail, uh, and Bill Duke is there to pick him up. Uh, and I was confused by their dynamic, but. David Carradine actually works for Bill Duke. Like Bill Duke's like the boss and David Carradine's like his henchman. Yeah. I think they were partners, but when, you know, Bill Duke's been out still taking care of business while they're gone. So he's kind of the senior partner now, you know? Uh, no, I, th I thought it was a situation where Bill Duke was kind of the, was the senior agent. And then he was, you know, and, and Carradine worked under him. And that's just kind of how the that's just what their dynamic stuck as when they went. He worked under him. What is he, a Thai lady boy? I don't get the joke. Wow. They claim they Thai lady boys killed David Carradine. But. Oh, okay, gotcha. Uh, okay. Anyway, so he gets out of jail, uh, and Bill Duke picks him up. Um, next, we go to Goldie Goldie. That's Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn. She's like a high-powered lawyer. Uh, she's meeting with these guys. Uh, she's talking about how she has to go to Detroit. Or like a meeting uh then cut to new jersey uh it's i guess a drug cartel birthday party there's a person in a pig costume holding a gun uh and, and bill duke and david carradine they want to like they're going to do business with the cartel but the cartel is basically like hey you got to deal with your like one outstanding problem before we'll like deal with you guys again which i can't because bill duke is technically bill duke is technically a fugitive still so that right. made no sense that he, you know, went to pick up David Carradine. But yeah, so <laughs> technically, he still, they explain later, he still has warrants out for his arrest. And with, if they catch him, then Mel Gibson would have to testify against them. No, in. I get that part, but I don't get why the cartel cares. They're doing illegal activity anyway. If any of them I get think caught, that was the cartel they originally doing business with anyway. So they also want revenge. It just feels weird to me that the cartel would give a, you know, give a shit about the fact that Bill Gibson's in witness protection and Bill Duke's working for him. Also, well, based on all also, my experience with cartels. Also, the cartel has a house in New Jersey. 
Well, come on. If you were to get if you were a cartel, you were to go to any state. I feel like you know, New Jersey. They're not going to know this, you know. Um, okay. So anyway, so cut to thank you for alienating all of our New Jersey fans. <laughs> hey, you're all a bunch of mob stars, and the, and the devils suck. Uh, okay. So cut to Detroit, Michigan. Uh, Mel Gibson. He's working at a gas station as like a mechanic and, and stuff like that. Uh, he has that fun little bit where he apparently has fake legs that he built to make the guy think he got crushed by a car. That's an elaborate prank. Didn't they say he'd only been there like three months? Maybe something like that. And he was he was like the guy kept being like, Hey, why don't you come over and have dinner? But then it seemed like they all lived upstairs above the gas station. Yeah. So like what, like come down the hall and have dinner with us? I don't know. Um okay, so Mel Gibson, he he goes to pump gas for our younger uh, listeners, there used to be places where you pull up and someone would come out of pump gas for you at a gas station. Mm-hmm. They, they um, still do that, actually. I think uh, in New Jersey, you have to have your gas pumped. Oh, how about that? Uh, so anyway, so uh, he goes out and, and Goldie Hawn like, immediately recognizes him. Uh, and But he kind of like plays it off and he's like, oh, no, that's not me. My name's like, what's his name? Like Billy Ray or something. In this. Yeah. Um, hold, hold on. It's been, what, she said 15 years since they last saw each other? Yes. How much different do I look than I did 15 years ago? Uh, I mean, you look older, but but not, not much different, different. But not enough to where you wouldn't recognize me 15 years later and immediately know. He looks her right in the eye and says, "No, I'm not the guy." Who's well, he? Well, I, I I think maybe part of it is that she believes he's dead. Sure. So maybe you would you wouldn't you wouldn't suspect it. Like if you thought someone was dead you wouldn't maybe automatically be like, oh, that's the person. Like, I guess maybe that's what you're supposed to think, but... I guess. I don't know. It seems... Well, and he also has a spot-on southern accent, guys. Oh, it was fantastic. He's like, Um, you know what? New identity? Time for a new accent. So... So Mel Gibson, like, immediately calls the FBI uh, and and, and tries to get, like, out of there. Uh, He's trying to talk to his old, like, case agent or whatever, this guy, Lou, but they tell him that Lou retired, uh, and so he talks to Stephen Tobolesky, uh, and, and, like, Stephen Tobolesky is, like, immediately lying to Mel Gibson, uh, and he, like, takes all his information off the computer and then deletes him off the FBI system. Um, So uh, then back to Mel Gibson, uh, he remembers, like, hanging out. No, no, sorry. Goldie Hawn is in a high-powered uh, lawyer meeting, and she's having like a flashback <laughs> to hanging out with Mel Gibson, and Mel Gibson's like casually walking on top of a Ferris wheel. <laughs> yes, Dave. Um, really quick. Um, I believe the weird thing is the FBI doesn't handle witness protection; the they U.S. Not. Marshals do. That is correct. And they definitely say it's the FBI in this. Well, the yeah. U.S. Marshals? You mean like Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Raylan Givens? Yes, exactly. Let's hey guys, just side note. Let's write a movie where Tommy Lee Jones, U.S. Marshal, teams up with Raylan Givens to solve like a like a manhunt or oh, something. Oh, that might be the surliest movie ever made. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like Tommy Lee Jones, and like what's really going to be fun and whatever we call it, like Tommy Lee Jones, his only line is going to be "I don't care." Yeah, <laughs> every, every well, line he's going to be like suffering from dementia or something, and that's exactly. all. Exactly. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. U.S. Marshal, you seem to have pooped yourself. I don't care. Anyways, let's table that. Hold let's on, no, no, we gotta we gotta crank up the surliness. We can throw in Harrison Ford as the president. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I but, pooped my pants too. I'm incredibly old. Wouldn't that confuse people because they think he was Detective or Doctor Richard Kimball? Oh, you're right. Oh, Ooh, good no. point. Mm. Well, okay. How Who about Richard? This? Richard Kimball becomes president. There we Ooh. go. Anyways, yeah. we'll, we'll table. We'll table. Yep. Um, okay. I so, didn't poop my pants. It was a one-armed man. Yeah. So Goldie Hawn. I believe Harrison Ford's here. So Goldie Hawn remembers Mel, hanging out with Mel Gibson, and like I said, he casually gets out as like walking on top of a Ferris wheel. <laughs> That's another thing I can't figure out. Like. The whole premise of this movie is he, him and his buddy. I, yeah. I know we're gonna get. Why don't, to it. Why don't, yeah, why don't why don't why don't we just dissect the big background yeah. right now? Why don't we just lay it all out? Like what Mel Gibson's deal is. Okay, so him, 
and his buddy and mm-hmm. Goldie Hawn were just like they're not even Hippies. they weren't even college friends. They were just like friends. And they hung out in the sixties and smoked a lot of weed and were just kind of like, you know, layabouts, didn't really do much. And then um Mel Gibson and his friend stumbled upon this like drug deal that they got involved Mel, in. Mel Gibson and his friend flew down to Mexico to score some dynamite weed, yeah. I think. And while they were down there, they got shanghaied by crooked DEA agents to use their plane. Mm-hmm. But then when they fly the plane back and it lands in the U.S., things go south. Uh, and, and they try and stop uh, 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 David Carradine and Bill Duke. And his friend Jamie gets shot and killed. Right. And he ends up testifying against David Carradine. And David Carradine goes to jail and he goes into witness protection. Right? That's, yes. That's that's what happens. That's it. Yep. And okay, yeah. my issue with this whole movie is Mel Gibson was just like I said, a, a pothead that could fly a plane. But everywhere he goes, everywhere he goes, to witness protection, he suddenly knows exactly how to fix cars. He knows He's a how dynamite to dynamite hairstylist, a great hairstylist. He knows how to set up, build, and run an animal hospital that's acres large. Well, I will say this, and I and I don't I don't necessarily want to defend it, but here 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 we are. I'm defending it. We don't really know what Mel Gibson's background is. We don't know that he didn't know how to do stuff. We only know what they tell us about his background. So we don't we don't know that maybe he knew how to do some of this. I got a hard. Do I need to start talking that. about the 1990s television show, The Pretender? The Pretender. No, we can't. No, let's not. <laughs> you know what I would like to talk about sometime? Do you guys remember Street Hawk? Yeah, vaguely. Oh, okay. that, 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 the motorcycle? Like a, yeah, the motorcycle. Yeah, the yeah. motorcycle. Yeah, it's freaking cool. Uh, okay, so uh, Goldie Hawn. So she can't get Mel Gibson out of her head. So she goes back to the gas station. And I like that she's just like low key spying on him, like across the street yeah. in 1980s Detroit in a bad neighborhood. Just yeah. a Goldie Hawn and a Beamer. That would totally fly. You know. So uh, Bill Duke and, and David Carradine show up in a big shootout starts happening i thought it was kind of bogue that mel Gibson's buddy the owner of the mechanic just gets just oh yeah i was like the thing he just get killed i was like that's mean like he gets shot by david carradine uh mel gibson like uh gets shot in the butt (laughs) in the tush if you will um and and, like they they get away and and he like he jumps in uh, goldie hawn's car and they drive off and like the gas station explodes but somehow they still find the dude that owns it body, and it's like fine, like it didn't get burned up or anything in the giant explosion that happened. Um, we also found out that um, uh, uh, Mel Gibson like left Goldie Hawn like at the altar. They were supposed to get married when he disappeared, um, so she's still upset about that. Uh, they go to her her hotel room, which is like the presidential suite. Um, and, and he's like, his butt's really hurting him because <laughs> he got shot, uh, and he's taking a shower. I was really confused when he fell asleep on the bed, why she left that bucket of ice on the bed with him. <laughs> that didn't seem like a good plan. Like, maybe rolled over and knocked that ice all over the bed. Yeah, and he still had a wet towel on. He fell asleep with the wet towel on. He's going to be chafed. It's going to be a big mess. He's going to hurt even more when he wakes up. It's true. Plus, he got shot in the butt. Um, okay. So, yeah, so this is when, uh, so, so Bill Duke and, and David Carradine show up at the hotel to get him because like this whole time, this whole time he's still talking to Stephen Tobolesky and Stephen Tobolesky's still selling him out working for the bad guys. So every time he tells them something, they know. Um, so they show up at the hotel room. This is where we find out that they're ex, uh, ex, uh, drug enforcement agents. Uh, they show up at the hotel, uh, they escape escape from the hotel um uh they, they, they get away uh then they go to pick up some like clothes and like i was really i was like hung up one thing that stuck with me in this whole movie is the weird like goldie hans like trying on clothes but the changing room is like an elevated platform in the middle of the store yeah <laughs> I was, yeah it's fancy and, and, was, and there's no like walls either i mean there's walls but they're only like half walls yeah, I was really hung up on that. I'm like, why is this in the middle of the room? Like, what is going on with this changing room? Like, it it stuck with me. Um, okay, 
So Mel Gibson wants Goldie Hawn to draw. <laughs> this is so stupid. Wants Goldie Hawn to drive him to Wisconsin uh, because that's where his address book is, and he needs his address book to figure out the address of Lou's sister because he thinks Lou's staying with his sister. Right. So then, um, uh, 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 Mel, uh, oh, oh. Mel Gibson beats up some cops. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, good at it. <laughs> the, yeah, that's another the, thing. He is clearly a very trained fighter, apparently. He's just a tough guy. I mean, he's had a lot of jobs. You know, you you build a uh, entire animal hospital and you, you get muscles, I guess. Sure, and clearly learn karate while you're doing it. <laughs> I like I like how Tush is like kind of like I don't I, I don't have an answer for you either. <laughs> well, no, gonna... yeah, I mean, it's just it was back then. It's like okay, yeah, he's Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson's tough, you know. Um, so yeah, so, uh, and this is where we find out that Stephen Tobolesky is definitely working for David Carradine, uh, and, and Bill Duke, because they have, like, some dirt on him, so they're forcing him to work for him. Um, okay, now, this is where I have a real problem with this movie. Oh, it, it won- okay, but this is, like, really, this, besides the changing room, this was out. This movie was a pretty was- solid car chase after that. Yes, the, tr- the car chase is solid. Sure. Like I said, all the action is solid. But then... It wants me to believe that you can get on a ferry and take this ferry from Detroit to Wisconsin. There's a lot of issues with this. Uh huh. Why are you saying Detroit like people who aren't from here say Detroit? What do you want me to say? Detroit. D- Detroit. Detroit. It's yeah, Detroit. Say Detroit. Detroit. Okay, sorry. A um, couple problems with this. Um, it, it's on the wrong side of the state, right? Like, first yep. of all, I would say that that's that's the major problem but presumably they took it like across like two or three great lakes like they went up <laughs> over superior like yeah and the other problem is so there is if you were to drive four hours from detroit you could take a ferry called the badger across to wisconsin right right however that's it's like a it's so it's big it's like a cruise ship whereas the on it looks like one of the little ones that takes you like if you need to go to like Staten Island or maybe even smaller than that like a little car ferry you know and yeah. like you're going to like a Florida Key or something you know it's like oh that's gonna go all the way up through the Detroit River and Lake St. Clair uh Lake Huron down to Lake Michigan you know yeah for, for those of you listening who don't know what uh, where Detroit is uh what if you I? hold your left hand up in front of your face with the back of your hand looking at you it's uh kind of right below where your thumb Meets your uh, meets your hand essentially, and uh, Wisconsin, if you if you aren't aware, is uh, in the upper left hand corner of where your where your hand would be. So you'd have to travel around the thumb of Michigan all the way up around several lakes to get all the way around to Wisconsin. Yeah, so I was really thrown off by that. Um, okay, oh boy. So it's during this. Um, fairy trip when she, when he when he tells Goldie Hawn about their friend Jamie and how he got killed and all the stuff we already covered in the past. Right. So they arrive in Racine, Wisconsin. Oh boy. This is problematic. Uh, <laughs> this is problematic. So I'm gonna try and talk about it delicately. Um so Mel Gibson Mel Gibson was in hiding in Racine, Wisconsin as a uh, hairdresser. Apparently a really good hairdresser, which is kind of funny. Uh, and let's just say he's using a very, very, very effeminate voice and taking on like a completely different persona, which I don't think is required when you're in the witness protection program. No. Um, but yeah, apparently the guy that owns the shop, like he loaned Mel Gibson a bunch of money. Uh, and he's the one that has his stuff, which means he has his address book. And he's like, well, I'm not giving you your address book until you pay me back what you owe me. And Goldie Hawn thinks all of this is hilarious. You know? Yes. He's just like, Oh man. But, yeah, that's, is, but that's like, that was comedy gold in 1990. It's true. Is the, it is, is the worst part. It's problematic. Yeah, but it, days are hilarious. It's problematic, but it is kind of funny that he's so embarrassed to do the voice, and he's like, he's like, hey, why don't you go like wait by the car? Like he's trying to get Goldie Hawn out of there before he like adapts his persona. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't. Again, I don't know how the um, 
witness protection program works, but I don't think they're like, okay, you're a hairdresser now. I guess you got to take up this voice. Yeah. Yeah. You're not, yeah. yeah you're not, you're not role playing <laughs> the, the entire time. So uh, they go to a bank across the street to get money to get Mel Gibson's address book, but Goldie Hawn's like credit card is flagged. So uh, then they think that they're robbing the bank. Uh, and, and so they have to run out with some money and then Mel Gibson steals a dirt bike. Uh, and Goldie Hawn's like, I don't want to go with you. So he takes off uh, with the dirt bike. But then like, just when you think Goldie Hawn's going to get captured by the police, Mel Gibson shows back up on the dirt bike uh, and, and she hops on and he drives the dirt bike into the uh, hair salon to get his address book. And then in a confusing thing like he drove in the back door which is open but then when he leaves he like drives through the front door <laughs> well maybe that's maybe that's symbolic because of he's giving up the character he was playing to know comes into the back no, okay. no come on you're reading way more into this than there actually <laughs> yeah well that also, is that would is... you all agree that like the guy playing the role of Rafe it's like they're probably like okay we couldn't get Harvey Firestein so we've got this guy yes yes I agree with that um, so there's a, there's a motorcycle chase. I mentioned it earlier. There's a guy who, who falls into a thing of wet cement while trying to chase him. Uh, okay. So then Steven Tobolesky, he figures out where Mel Gibson's headed. Cause he kind of like realizes that he's tracking. He's like basically going back on all his different. Um, right. and, and this is my other issue with this, right? So Steven Tobolesky has the database has access to the database with all of uh, with all of Mel Gibson's information from being in witness protection. If Bill Duke was really that concerned with finding him, why didn't he just call Tobolesky to begin with? Why did he have to wait for David Carradine to get out? I, I get the impression that Mel Gibson's case officer just retired, like not that long ago. No, clearly, so. no, clearly he retired a while ago, you you see the state that he's in at the end of the movie. You see, yeah, he does see. Yeah, however, from like, he's only been at the. He's only in Detroit for three months. And he doesn't know who this new guy is, so it would have been his old caseworker who put him in Detroit. So maybe it just you know went downhill quick. The FBI in this movie is clearly not really uh on, on you know on their toes about stuff. So letting that senile uh, guy work for a while might have uh you know. Also, I, and I again, I'm put in a position where I guess I had to defend part of this movie. I would say that maybe at the time they weren't really concerned with looking for Mel Gibson until they knew that the cartel wanted him dead. You know, like I don't think that maybe they were going to go out of the way to find him until they had to. Okay, that makes you know what that makes sense. Um, All right. I just want to mention that there is like in both this every time they have a chase, they go through that town's Chinatown because oh yeah. Like, Every city in here has a Chinatown, which I can tell you there is not one in Detroit. I don't know about Racine, Wisconsin. But I, I almost wrote there. I almost wrote a note that said, man, Racine, Wisconsin is a really big Chinatown. Yeah. Um, so they drive the dirt bike to uh, Joan Severance Farm. It's a big, huge animal hospital that apparently uh, Mel Gibson designed and helped her build. Um, he finally gets his uh, uh, shot in the butt wound look at, and we get some uh, Mel Gibson tush for the tush. Um, and, and this is where, like we said, Joan Severance is like, oh mm-hmm. man, Joan Severance would have boned him right there in front of everybody if she had. Yeah, the and it, it, right in front of that horse, it was like in the stir and like the <laughs> stirrup the thing. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like we're supposed to be like Mel Gibson invented this thing, and it's amazing. And it's just like a table that folds out of the wall. It's like a Murphy bed, but it's like a table. Um, so oh, okay, so then a helicopter shows up and starts shooting at him. Uh, Joan Severance busts out a shotgun, and it was like a really good shot with that shotgun. Um, so then we have established that Mel Gibson knows how to fly a plane. Fine. Why does this animal hospital have a plane? I don't know, but it does. Apparently they do like, uh, uh, they drop pesticides or something as a side business or, or whatever. I don't know. Um, well, okay. So I could say it's like to pick up patients from far away, but at the same time, this place isn't that remote because it's within dirt bike distance of racing <laughs> Wisconsin. So, uh, dirt bike different distance. Um, okay. So, uh, the, the copter chases the plane. 
uh, he takes out the helicopter by crashing the landing gear like into the blades, into the rotors. Uh, excuse me, the plane uh, crash lands. Um, they find a hotel to stay in. Uh, Goldie Hawn takes a shower and gets like a cockroach in her hair. It's hilarious. It's the most Pacific Northwesty hotel ever to be in Wisconsin. <laughs> Uh, so then, you know, Mel Gibson and, and Goldie Hawn, they argue a lot in this, so they argue some more. Um, also, did you guys like that Mel Gibson had called his dick Mr. Wiggly? It was so stupid. <laughs> That's where I got a name for mine. So, uh, Mr. Wiggly, uh, then they end up going to the Bone Zone. Uh, we get some Goldie Hawn tush. Um, uh, and then he trades, like, her watch for a car. Uh, but also at this point, Goldie Hawn calls her boyfriend to ask for help, but her boyfriend has already met with Tobolesky, so he calls Tobolesky, and then Tobolesky tells uh, Bill Duke and David Carradine what's going on. Uh, so they finally get to Lou's house, Lou's sister's house, and Lou's there, but he at this point has, like, Alzheimer's, I guess, because he doesn't remember anything. Um, uh, and, and then Bill Duke and David Carradine and Steve, Stephen Tobolesky show up, and Mel Gibson's like, I know what we'll do. The zoo I worked at is just down the road. So they go to the zoo. <laughs> Um. Uh, okay, so th they go to the zoo, and then they go into this like, like we said, we talked about how big the set was. It's like every animal in. It's like a. It's. I don't even know it's how to like describe. It's like a weird like jungle marshland set. It's very strange. There's like a waterfall. There's. It's weird. Yeah, and it was kinda, inspired it's... by somewhere he went in Chicago. So I'm assuming that must be Shed Aquarium. Because there is something nowhere near as elaborate as this, but they have a rain. You know, it kind of looked like it where it gives you like the illusion you're walking through a rainforest. It kind of looked like the outside of that shitty rainforest cafe. <laughs> it, remind, <laughs> it reminded me of like being at a museum, and you like you go to like a thing, and you it's like press the button, and you press yes. the button, and it like lights up, and it's like in the rainforest. But it, like it reminded me of that. Yes. But not only is it like that, but also. Every single animal is there just like running free, running free, yeah. interacting with each other. Uh, there's like a there's like a just a pool of piranhas. There's some alligators, maybe crocodiles. Sure. Um, it's wild. Well, I mean, so this basically like having seen this as a kid, like I'd only been like the Detroit Zoo a couple times and it set me up for disappointment with every zoo I've ever been to since. <laughs> Um, I also like that like he's like okay there's a gun in here there's not a gun he finds a trank gun uh, and I also like when he goes out to like get the bad guys he gets shot like immediately <laughs> like, the, first yes. thing that, the first thing that happens to him is he gets shot <laughs> and then like he tells Goldie Hall to do like one thing he's like hit this button and she messes it up she hits the wrong button and then this, uh, this movie kind of goes off the rails <laughs> <laughs> now it does um, so, like, Mel Gibson runs into, like, this back room and, like, lets all these, like, the monkeys, the tigers, the lions, lets them all out of his cage. And, like, Bill Duke is, like, following him, and he, like, tricks Bill Duke into this cage, and he gets trapped into a cage, and he gets mauled and killed by a lion. So, yes. Bill Duke's dead. Yeah. Um, then, also, like, this is just, like, fragments of stuff going on. Goldie Hawn... Uh, gets chased by all these chimps, chimpanzees, right? <laughs> and she drops the gun she found. And then the chimp picks up the gun and is like yeah. shooting the gun in the air. And she, one thing with this is Goldie Hawn keeps escaping, she keeps climbing to escape animals that are known to be very good climbers, but she manages <laughs> to get away from them. First chimps, she, then tigers. You yeah, know. she gets she, she gets chased by tigers. Also, um, uh, Mel Gibson is like wrestling like with Stephen Tobolesky, which is like, come on, you've built up Mel Gibson so much in this movie, and he's having trouble with Stephen Tobolesky. Um, but then, like Stephen Tobolesky gets distracted by the chimpanzee shooting the gun, and Mel Gibson knocks him into the pool of piranhas, who immediately devour him. Yep, just yeah. eat right up. Um, so then uh, uh, David Carradine and um, uh, uh, Mel Gibson, there's like a big rope bridge. <laughs> yeah, think like and, almost like Indiana Jonesy. Yes, because then at a certain point it breaks and it swings down and they're like fighting. <laughs> and I have a note, and the tigers are below, but I have a note, and maybe you guys can help me because I, I, I said that David Carradine dies, but I think 
primarily what happens is that Mel Gibson electrocutes him in his balls. Yes. That's exactly <laughs> what happens. Yep. Because that's what I thought happened. I like he like is it like a wire, a loose wire he puts him into yeah. his balls? Yeah, just, call he, back he, the name of the movie, Bird on a Wire. Yeah. He electrocutes the man's taint. Yeah. And he he's in such pain that he falls uh and, and he gets eaten by the tigers. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, Goldie Hawn saves Mel Gibson, so he doesn't get eaten by tigers. Uh, and then we skip a lot of steps because we don't know, like, does Mel Gibson get his name cleared? Like, what happens? Did they? Does the FBI recognize that he's, you know, like, because they always talk about how, like, they, they have a conversation where they're like, oh, we just wanted to live on a boat and get away from everything. So cut to the final scene of the movie. They're on a boat together, and the boat's name, Mr. Wiggly. Yeah. No mention yep. of what happened to Goldie Hawn's boyfriend. <laughs> Yeah. Well, her boyfriend was a fucking point Well, sure, on. but he didn't. But, but, I mean, you know. Yeah. But I'm like, did he get like? Because like, you had to remember, we didn't touch on this, but like, part of the movie is that he, they're look. The police are looking for him because they think he murdered his mechanic boss. Right. Well, but then they probably showed up and found like the two half-eaten bodies of felons and the half-eaten body of the FBI agent. They're like. Yeah, okay, maybe something fishy is going on here. Remember how the mechanic got shot like five times in the back in the explosion, but still was able to write out like Billy Ray and paint on the stairs? Oh, he didn't write it. David Carradine wrote it to put them on oh, his trail. Oh, all right. Well, I, I missed that, but yeah, I still don't understand how his body didn't get burned up when that place went up in flames, erupted in flames when the... Uh, uh, gas pumps went. But anyways, um, yeah, so we don't know how all of it wraps up. I mean, maybe they just left and went on the boat, like, but I, but like, they seem to still have access to Goldie Hawn's money, and she was wanted by the, I, you know what? I mean, do you want, like, ex, like, okay, we've got this exciting climax, and now we're gonna have all this time explaining, okay, now this will well, happen. Okay, so this I mean, a little something. I should clarify that I was hoping, you know, like, maybe, like, the cops could have pulled up or, like, the FBI agent been like, oh, now, okay, they are bad, like, you're good or something. A little bit. I didn't need, like, a, an extra, like, half hour into the movie. Just, like, I'm talking, like, three minutes where, like, the cops show up at the zoo and be like, okay, you're clear, Mel Gibson, or something like that, you know? I don't know. Anyways. And then, like, maybe you could just tell that, like, there'd be a dog who'd have, like, shifty eyes, and you know in the sequel, that's how you know he's evil, you know? <laughs> Um, but anyways, yeah, that's the end of the movie. They're sailing away on Mr. Wiggly. Uh, okay. Uh, roll reversal. Oh, roll reversal. You got a yeah. great roll reversal. Big I, one. I do, yep. because the film was originally going to star Kurt Russell. So it was going to be Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn, who are married in real life, or at least together in real life. Um, yeah. And uh, But he could. He, he had... A prior commitment, he was filming Tango and Cash, Tango and Cash. Alone, which we covered. <laughs> no, in movie. A movie covered on this podcast. Yep. So, so Kurt Russell suggested uh, uh, Mel Gibson and suggested uh, to Mel Gibson that he take the movie. So he talked to both of them, and then Mel Gibson took the movie. Well, that's it. That's that's the role. That's all I got, guys. I will say this though: yep. I think this movie would have been better if it had been Kurt Russell. You shut your damn mouth. <laughs> I mean, I do love me some Kurt Russell. I, I think this I mean, okay, I, I will. Even though, yeah, Mel and Mel and Goldie had good chemistry in this. Obviously, anyone who's seen Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn together, they're they're a delight, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, though, I don't know. I mean, w at, would Kurt Russell have done the hairdresser scene as well? I don't know. I mean, know? would he have done it, or would he have done it as well? He would have done it. Remember, he dresses up like a lady in uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think it would have been better. I think Kurt Russell would have done a much better job in this movie. Wow. 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 That's inflammatory. Tush is furious. Livid. Go ahead. Be mad at me. Be mad. I don't care. I like okay. how you both still have your Christmas backgrounds. <laughs> yep. I ain't changing. Um, anything else uh, we didn't cover or you wanted to talk about that we didn't mention, Tush? Anything? Um, I mean, no, not really. Just I think we've covered everything. I mean, it's uh, you know, pretty. You know, how would you, you, know, how would you rate lots, the level of, of how would you rate the level of tushiness in this movie? Well, okay, so I guess I was so I wanted to talk about tushiness. So, like, this is one of those ones that from like this era that established that 
action stars show off their tush, you know? And I kind of live my life by that. Because wouldn't you both agree that you've, you've both seen my ass more than any other adult man's? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. That's true, but that's more true. just like you can't keep your pants up, though. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, okay. It's not yeah. like I pull down my pants and like you know assault you guys Louis C.K. style or anything with it. But yeah. it's not because you got shot in the butt, and then Joan Severance is like, "Hop up on this table you invented. I'll fix it." I did once, kind of half-assed, get, got hit by a car while I was mooning one of my friends. Oh, all right. Yeah, it got hit by the rearview mirror and it broke off. From it hit your tush and broke off. It did actually it hit my. Remember, I came into work at Sands Club with my my one arm bandaged up, my leg bandaged up because it knocked me on the ground. I got all scraped up. I, I'm like, I I do in fact actually remember that. Cool story, bro. Thanks. <laughs> um, what, what do you think? Should we write this? Yeah, let's just write cool. this thing. Okay. okay. Technically, you're the guest, Tush. Uh, who do you want to go first? Eh, you know what? I'll go first. All right. Because okay. I feel like mine's going to be higher than your guys anyways. I'm not going to try to make up. So I'm not pretending this is an amazing movie. You're bo- I mean, it is, it's dated. It's geography is insane and way off. It's, you know, it, like, again, it's like had some really big, like, holes as far as, like, okay, like we said, like, it's not even the FBI that handles the witness relocation. And, but it's fun. The chemistry between Mel and Goldie is good. Not as good as it would have been between Kurt and Goldie, but whatever. Um, like I said, yeah, it's constantly directed some good action scenes. Um, you know, some some funny stuff. And I'm going to give it three machine guns. Okay. Um, I'll go next. Um, <clears throat> I didn't dislike this movie as much as I thought I was going to, which I know is a weird way to start a rating, but I kind of started it and i was like oh boy like i don't know about this like i i didn't think i was going to be into it and it it definitely has a lot of flaws uh and there's definitely some well not some there's a really big problematic (laughs) um but other than that like like i said i was surprised with how how kind of good the action sequences were like the car chases and all that stuff is really you know really well put together uh, Mel Gibson and Goldie Hawn are good in it. I like Bill Duke and David Carradine as the bad guys. Um, for as dumb as it was, like the the stuff in the zoo was kind of fun. Um, but I but I'm not gonna go crazy. I'll, I'll give it. Uh, I'll go right down the middle. I'll give it two and a half machine guns. Two and a half machine guns for me. Okay, I hear what you're both saying. <laughs> oh boy, and you're right. Goldie Hawn and Mel Gibson together are great. Bill Duke, David Carradine together are great. I even like Stephen Tobolesky in this. Um, the action is also really good in it. I don't mind the action at all. But the rest of this movie is so irritating. <laughs> it's just it's just straight monotony. Like there's there's too much time between action sequences, and the stuff that's in between the action sequences is either stupid or offensive and or a combination or a combination of both and the plot makes no sense they couldn't possibly get to all of these places (laughs) in the amount of time that they have um there's this movie is not good this is not a good movie i i want to rate it higher i do i want to rate it higher because of the things that i liked in it but the stuff that's bad is so much worse than the stuff that's good i can't do it this is a 1.5 machine gun movie at, <laughs> at best i don't like this movie i'm never gonna watch it again ever i'm never gonna recommend it to people to watch it it's just no don't it's movies this movie's terrible I, I don't know if it's terrible. Um, I, I do like the, the. I also had a, a, a problem with the idea that they were like, well, first of all, like, why did they have to move Mel Gibson like around so much? Unconfirmed. But also, they seemingly were like, I don't know. I guess let's just move him two hours to the east. Like, I feel like if you're moving somebody in witness protection, you're going to be like, yeah, we got to move him across the country or something like that. Not like I don't know. Let's move him down the road to Racine or like okay, from Racine to uh, Michigan. You know, like it just. I don't know. It seems like if you're moving somebody, you would you would put a little more effort into it. 
1.5, guys. 1.5. I think that's a little harsh. I think that's a little harsh. Is it because... Is it because that I don't know, I kind of feel like you give me the same vibe like you're for you're the wraith of this talk show of this podcast you're like the wraith you know like you're kind of in charge you're wearing the kimono you know what's he talking about now I don't know I don't, I, I not, okay. not literally not following what he's say I'm saying like you're like the head hairdresser of the show oh, <laughs> and, and you don't like the way that Bell treated them you're like you know whatever man. <laughs> The boss, Gibson, the, the boss is still the boss. I got no qualms. Mel Gibson did not. Mel Gibson did not have to drive that dirt bike. Oh, he is sick. <laughs> I just, I really do like the idea that apparently Mel Gibson was like so good at giving haircuts. <laughs> like it wasn't just like it wasn't just like they couldn't just be like, oh yeah, he worked here, he took on this character, but it was also that he was like unbelievable at do so much so that the owner of the hair salon, one of one of his conditions for giving him back the address book was the money, but he also had to give Mel Gibson had to give him a haircut. <laughs> it's like it's like he got a boner from getting getting the haircut from Mel Gibson. I don't think it's like that at all. I think it is that. <laughs> it was this that fucking movie was too much, guys. All right, can we move on? Are we done? Can we do plugs now? Sure. sure. All right, Dave, what do you want to plug? You know what? I'm just I'm not beating around bush. Putting my book on Kindle next month. Right. I, I took I took the Skillshare class and gonna put it on there, so it'll be available. It'll be called Overtime Adventures in a Lesser Hell, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be up there. So, you know, well, I'll I'll keep everyone updated on the Discord. You know, and uh, and also I I put something on Discord today. Our Discord people, they're the best, you know? They're really good. Like, Because I made the mistake of making a very innocuous travel travel comment on a YouTube video, and I got bombarded with just idiots. <laughs> it's just like, I didn't know there was so much Francophobia, fear of Frenchmen, online still. It's like, oh my god, why are you posting about Frenchmen? Someone's like, oh, I hate the French. Like, okay, you know? Mon Dieu. Yeah. So anyway, anyone... Any listeners who aren't on the Discord, jump on there. Everyone there is really cool and nice. So, except oh. Hovercraft Joe, he usually he bullies people. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Well, that takes uh, care of my plug. So go ahead, Joe. <laughs> um, I want to plug uh, Tubi. Yeah. Uh, as always, uh, this movie is not available on Tubi, which is unfortunate because I had to I had to rent it uh, for like four bucks. Which is annoying because it was like, do you want to buy it for fourteen? I'm like, definitely not. Um, and I'll, I'll plug uh, Pluto TV as well. Uh, not as cool as Tubi, but also you know, you get a lot of free content on there. And um, my strange plug uh, is that I want to plug the old oh, MTV. Plugs? No, I want to plug the old MTV game show Silent Library. <laughs> um, I'm a big fan Why? of Silent Library. Uh, I'm a big fan of it, and it came up in conversation at work the other day. Uh, and I was like, I think it's on Paramount Plus. It is on Paramount Plus, all four seasons. And there's like uh, all the seasons except one have 20 episodes, and that one has 30. So there's a ton of episodes. Uh, yeah. So, Silent Library, check it out if you have Paramount Plus. You know what? Fine. It's just wrapping things up here. If you're going to plug something on Paramount Plus, so am I. Guys, guess what else is on Paramount Plus? Have some Star Trek bullshit. Also, guys, MacGyver. Oh. <laughs> the entire series of MacGyver. I watched it start to finish a few years ago. It's great. MacGyver's. I mean, maybe not the last season, but the rest of it is great. Do they have like that TV movie with the sun where they like find Atlantis or something? They. I remember. Have, that. They have the TV movies on there. Yes. Doesn't that have Brian Blessed? But his son from, is. Uh... It does. His son is yeah. in it. His the last episode of the series has his son in it. Well. Yeah, it's the last episode of the series, and then they do like two movies afterward that sort of wrap everything up. And his son is not in either of those. Okay. Is his son called McBoyver? No. Oh, because oh. McGuy McBoy. Yeah, McBoyver. Okay. Oh, I got it. I got it. No. Oh. All right. Um, hey, so, although really quick, everyone should go see the Beekeeper as well. The Beekeeper oh yeah, the Beekeeper was sweet. Beekeeper was so good. Uh, definitely see the beekeeper. Me and me and uh, Tush saw a early advanced screening of it, and it was great. <laughs> I will see it eventually. Yeah, you should definitely see it when you get a chance. I mean, because uh, it, it it was really good. Just yeah, just really good. Um, Sweet. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Any more? Anything else you want to plug? 
No, last, I, I uh, as we record this, the last episode of, uh, I mean, the season finale of Reacher is out. So. Yes, that's right. No, it's not this. No, it's not the season. season. No, it's only it's episode, not, it's episode, episode, episode seven. seven. Next, next, episode. next week is episode eight, the oh, season yeah. finale. Right. Also, great. Nice, nice plug, Dave. We better end oh. this before it gets worse, guys. True. This episode of the Last Action Podcast has been terminated. But we'll be back to give haircuts. Ha, ha, ha.